You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Welcome into the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast each and every Thursday right here at BallQuest.com and of course on the YouTube channel. Pound that like button, try to help us get to 500 likes if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe also there as well. Hey, $1 for one year, got Kentucky coming up in a couple of days, Tennessee is 7-0, no better time. The deal's not going to last forever, so jump on it now. $1 for one year over at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane with Awesome Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. Mailbag edition of the VolQuest podcast. It starts now. Let's get started with Vol underscore fan 89. Where would an 11-1 season with a Sugar Bowl appearance but no playoffs rank UT since the 1998 season? Would it be better than 11-1-01 team that went to the SEC title game appearance but only made the Citrus Bowl Brent Hubbs? Yeah, it would be better because of how Tennessee finished that 0-1 season, right? Um, when you look at uh, the fact that Tennessee was in line to go to the national championship game and play for the national title against Ohio State, but they failed in the SEC championship game uh, against LSU and, and, and didn't get there. So to me, this would be, Rob, a, a better achievement um, if Tennessee does it. A, it would be unexpected. Uh, that 0-1 team was thought to be a good football team. This one's kind of come out of the blue. Uh, you've got a win over an Alabama team breaking streak, a Florida team breaking streak. And then 0-1 Tennessee was still relevant every week in college football, and that's not been the case for Tennessee the last few years. I mean, 0-1 ended on a disappointment. I mean, this kind of like you touched on. I mean, you had you went to Gainesville and had already, you know, meet you at the airport on the way home, and then you went, you know, to Atlanta a couple weeks later and lost to a backup quarterback. At LSU, and even the one game they lost that year, remember the Hobnell boot game, I and mean, that was they, they lost at home to a Georgia team everybody expected them to beat. I, I mean, I don't think there's any comparison for how this would be viewed, big picture wise, from you know two months ago, you and AP fist fighting over where they're going seven and five, eight and four, <laughs> and then you know they, they end up eleven and one. I mean, I, I think that would be. You know, phenom- uh, look, look back in hindsight several years down the road as a phenomenal get back here. Well, and, and to Rob's point, I think part of that, you know, the, the ecstasy of this season is the fact that, you know, it's been so long and Tennessee had that downturn. So everybody's hungry, right? I mean, everybody craves and has craved this type of season for so long to finally get it, you know, as long as Tennessee keeps doing what they're doing. Um, you know, it, it, that's what makes it so special. It, it, it'll be, it's it, to me, it's the 85 sugar balls. This will be a team that will be talked about 30 years from now, no matter what happens the next 10, 15 years, this is a group. If things continue to go the way they're going, they will be talked about in the same vein as the 85 sugar balls, the 98 national championship team, that those special teams with special players, just because of the moment and where Tennessee went and, pulled themselves back up to 
Absolutely, Eric. I mean, when you look at this, this was this is not a team that was ranked in the preseason. Um, you know, the, the expectations were that they would maybe take a step, um, you know, in year two under Josh Heupel, but but not like this. And and the most favored teams, the teams that fans remember the most, right, Eric, are the ones that come out of the blue and, and, and surprise people. Those are the most beloved teams uh, are the teams that kind of shock everybody. And, and certainly this team has exceeded everybody's expectations to this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's the teams that where you know that you have improved, you have playmakers, but you also still have some deficiencies and you kind of rally behind those shortcomings and, and, and still, you know, just kind of bank on, you know, what your team is good at. And that's, this team is great at offense. This team has a great quarterback. And so um, I, I think this season and this team certainly has a chance to be remembered for a long time. Now there's some big time games coming up over the next few weeks and how they finish it. Of course, like Rob was talking about that Oh one season, you don't want to finish it on a sour note, but uh, we will see. Sam Smith, 22-33, with Brooks struggling to get the ball to the end zone on kickoffs. Do we see them make a change with Kentucky having an elite return man? Rob, what are you most looking forward to in watching the Gonzaga scrimmage? Let's start with Brooks, Austin. Uh, Paxson Brooks, I don't think look fantastic on punts, but this is a kickoff question. I don't think he has a problem getting the ball. I think they strategically kick the ball the way they do. Eckler, Eckler loves to do different stuff. It's not just bang it through the end zone every time. And, you know, he likes to try to angle things and, and try to pin guys. And, you know, I, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here, Hubbard. I don't see it as a problem. I think this is by design, the way that they've had him kick off. Uh, for, I'm not saying every time, but I would say 80% of the kickoffs have been that have been short of the goal line have been designed that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was a design in the Martin game. I, I didn't think I, – I, I didn't think Paxton Brooks carried himself particularly like when he walked on and off the field. I don't, I'm not trying to overanalyze like, was that a limp or was that not a limp and all those types of things. It, the leg did not seem as strong. I mean, there was certainly some of those that were returnable. Martin made a decision not to return them. Maybe they never returned kicks. Right. And so the design was, Hey, don't, don't wear your leg out here. Just get it down to the 10 yard line or 15. They're going to fair catch it anyway. Um, I mean, Brooks is going to be the kickoff guy unless he's in warmups on Saturday and, and can't do what they want him to do. Barry on Brown is a challenge. And so, you know, I think Tennessee's cover team can handle that. Um, I, I think you're probably more comfortable with touchbacks if, if that's what you can do in this game. But we'll see how Mike Eckler and, and Josh Heupel elect to play it in the special teams game. Um, I think a lot of fans would like to see this thing through the end zone and, and not have Barry and Brown with a lot of touches. Yeah, it was, I believe it was Josh Heupel a year ago. And if this was Jeremy Pruitt a couple of years ago, I apologize. But someone asked the question, do you want to kind of pin them deep back there and all that? And the, and he essentially said, no, we want to kick into the end zone and then kick into the end zone. But a lot of times with as well as this cover unit is playing, you know, that, that could be a Mike Eckler thing. Raw, the second half of this question, what are you looking forward to watching in terms of the Gonzaga scrimmage? Uh, looking forward to, I mean, I'm, I'll phrase it that way. I mean, I'm interested to see what Tennessee looks like in the post. I mean, they have any post offense outside of, of Olivier. It would be my biggest question mark for the team. Let's go to Rising Fawn Vol. In your opinion, what is the ceiling for the following in terms of average starter, all SEC or all American for a couple of uh, backups in Squirrel White, James Pierce? Joe Milton and Caleb Perry. Austin, if you want to start this one off, Squirrel White, James Pierce, Joe Milton, and Caleb Perry. What's the ceiling for them in terms of All American, All SEC, or average starter? I think the ceiling for James Pierce is All American if he 
if, if it gets there. Again, it's about getting to that point. Um, but, I mean, I, I think, you know, to this point, you, you see a, a kid that's got extreme ex- – you know, he's explosive, he's got burst, um, you know, and, and can pack a punch. Uh, Caleb Perry, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could, you know, grow into all-conference type guy, you know, later in his career. Um, Squirrel White, I think, all-conference type player later, you know, in his career. Who's the other one? I believe it's Joe Milton. Joe Milton. Um, I don't know. I got to see it from Joe. You know, you can see he's improved. He processes things better uh, than he did a year ago. Um, you know, but, you know, he's not playing when, you know, the real bullets are flying. He's out there with the twos and threes. So I'd love to see him with the ones just to see what he could do to have a better feel for that. James Pierce is the most talented guy out of that group. He's got the highest ceiling if he puts everything together. Uh, we'll see. Uh, receivers in this offense are always going to be productive, I, I think. If you're if you're talented, Rob, they're, they're going to have you in a position to, you know, to be successful. You know, what all that looks like in terms of accolades and all that stuff, I, I, don't, I don't know how to qualify it there. Uh, we'll see how some of those guys develop. But I think the most talented guy out of that group is James Pierce. Hubbard, I mean, I think we're getting ready to have to take a different look at receivers, not just stats for this program. I, mean, I think I've read what you've written this week. I wrote it myself. Tennessee's had nine 1,000-yard receivers in the history of the program. They're getting ready to have two back-to-back years in Cedric Tillman unless, you know, unless Jalen Hyatt falls off a turnip truck in the, in the next four weeks. He's going to have 1,000 yards. And so two, they're going to have 10 and two of the 10 have been in 2021, 2022. And I bet they're not going to be the last. Just going to, I'm going to hazard a guess. I bet they won't be the last ones Josh Seipel has. Yes. What a bold take there from Rob Lewis. <laughs> it's a little, little different offensive football that Tennessee's playing. So receivers are always going to be successful. I think what's interesting about the receivers thing, and I know this is not a question, but I think the question to me is going to be what kind of rotation you know, we had all this talk in the preseason about playing more, you know, a bigger rotation of receivers. I think that's going to be hard to do with the way this team plays offense. Uh, as fast as they score, I don't, I, you know, you're going to take your best guy. Let, let's say this week, okay, you, you're going to have, um, you know, you, you're, you're scoring so fast. I don't know that you're going to ever play six, seven receivers in this offense. And if you don't score, it's a three and out, right? It's a short drive. It's not like you're going to have a lot of 13 play drives that take four minutes and you rotate guys in and out. They happen so fast. And I don't know how many drives you want to start without your best receiver on the field, unless there's an injury deal there. So I don't know that this will ever be a deep rotation of wide receivers out there uh, for Josh Heupel and his staff. It's going to be tough. You'd have to see, uh, maybe you are subbing that position a lot of times at the beginning of drives. Cause again, it, it's a challenge there. So something to pay attention to whenever Cedric Tillman does get back in the fold, if that is this Saturday and, kind of how those snaps would go for him, Brew McCoy, and, and Ramel Keaton, who's played really well the last uh, last six weeks. So move on now to KGNN3. couple questions here. Uh, Brent, let's start with you here. What underclassmen, you can include red shirts if you like, have you seen this year that makes you think this guy's going to be a stud down the road, uh, one from each side of the ball? Well, we just talked about it. I think James Pierce, if he puts it all together, has got a chance to be an elite pass rusher. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be a really good edge guy. Um you know, I, I, I like Tyree West. I think he's going to be a really good player as well. I do like the production of Caleb Perry, but I've got to see him against some of the best. I mean, it's it's hard for me to go way down the road with Caleb Perry right now, Austin, because you haven't seen him do it against quality competition at, at this point. 
so, so those are some guys that, that jump out to me on, on defense. Offensively, um, we haven't seen him enough, but I still hear a lot of buzz about Chaz Nimrod. I think he's faster than everybody thinks. I think of those freshman receivers, he would have been a guy who could have potentially pushed to perhaps play some this year had he not had the foot injury, Austin. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, I do think that he was he was getting to that point where he was going to be you know, maybe where Walker Merrill is now. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, is the fourth or fifth guy. Um, you know, again, as you pointed out just a second ago, I don't think that there, you know this for two years we all talked about wide receiver rotation, wide receiver rotation, but a year and a half in, right? I think we've all figured out, you know, they're probably just never gonna have this massive rotation. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see Caleb Webb. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to see Hawk and Hawk get Caleb Webb and, and Chaz Nimrod out of 81 and 84. Um, I'm a big numbers guy. That's terrible. Um, you know, but uh, Randy Moss says, hold my beer. Offensively. What's wrong with 84? Hey, pig, come on. Hey, listen. Um, again, well, to, to Eric Berry's point, you make the number, right? You know, he wanted 10. He got 14. He just made 14, 14. So, um, uh, yeah, go back to defense. I'll go Elijah Herring. Um, you know, I like Elijah's game a lot. I think he's going to be a, a factor, you know, like a, a long-term factor defensively. Um, and I do like Tyree West a good amount. Um, I know we're going to talk about Josh Josephs, but he's played quite a bit. Um, continues to play quite a bit with the ones. Um, you know, Dylan Sampson offensively, you know, the more he figures it out, the better he's going to be. Um, you know, it, and so the one that airing where I see Tennessee's got to really attack right now is is tight end. They've got to go get tight ends in the portal, and and and, and you know they don't really really struggle in depth wise there. Rob of the young guys that played against UT Martin, like lots of snaps defensively. I mean, I'm not saying that any of those guys played bad, but Tyree West was the only one that jumped off the page to me. So, you know, I, I I do think that he's going to be a pretty decent player down the road. Got a couple other questions here. Let's go, uh, AP, back to you. Uh, still Cajun and three. Uh, gaining any traction with Stanton Rommel? Um, they continue to have conversations. I mean, again, I think it ultimately ends up, does he visit or not, right? I mean, you know, any of those kids that are committed elsewhere, unless they take a visit to Tennessee, it's just hard to see Tennessee flipping them. I know they've been here, but I think you need to reacquaint yourself with the school. Um, when you've committed elsewhere to, to be a legit flip factor. And then one more, uh, this could be for anybody. What defensive back committed, uh, defensive back who is committed, do you think has the best chance of challenging for a major role next year? It's always Jordan challenging Matthews. to have a major role as a freshman, but if you had to pick one, um, Austin, who would you say? Jordan, Jordan Matthews. Matthews. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement. Because they need corners. They need help at corner. Um, and, and Jordan Matthews can play corner. I, I think anybody that can play corner – is going to have a chance to help them in the secondary next year. So I would go definitely Jordan Matthews. Let's stay on the recruiting trail. Nashville ball, 615. What current commits are planning to enroll early? Most of them. Uh, most of them will be here. Uh, some of them will be here for bowl practice. Jordan Matthews. Better way to phrase it, I guess, would be who would not, do you know, not is going to be here early. Uh, you know, again, there's going to be a couple of guys that probably don't make it early, but, you know, some of them are still trying to get here. So, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. But there's going to be a few of them, Jordan Matthews included. They'll get here and go through bowl practice, which is something that, you know, you saw a couple of guys go through a year ago, which is, uh, you know, something we saw a long time ago. Then it kind of went away. Now you're starting to see it more and more where kids get out early and go through four or five days of bowl practice and then head back home before they get here in January. 
Let's go next to our burger. A couple questions here. Honestly, love this matchup for Tennessee. Tennessee appears to have a significant edge along both sides of the line of scrimmage. Rob Lewis, how do you think Kentucky will defend Tennessee? You see, I didn't get the last part of that question. How do, how do you think Kentucky? Yeah, how do you think Kentucky's going to try to defend Tennessee? You think they're going to mix it up, bring the house, play a lot of zone? How do you think Kentucky I, I think will... they're going to play a lot of zone and try to keep stuff in front of them. I mean, after what you saw happen to Alabama and, you know, the way J- Jalen Hyatt has just been, you know, getting on people and getting deep, I, I will be surprised if they don't try to keep things in front of them defensively. That's, I mean, that, that's my guess right now is heavy zone. Brent, do you see a situation where Kentucky might play a lot of heavy DB personnel like a dime package? Yeah, I think they will. I mean, I, I think that they're going to their, – their biggest concern right now, I would think, is, is not getting the ball thrown over their heads, trying to make Tennessee be patient, uh, drive the football um, that way. I, I think you saw a little bit of that out of UT Martin when you look at Tennessee's opening drive. What was that, a 13-play, 77-yard drive? Uh, UT Martin was clearly saying, hey, you're not going to throw it over the top of us. We know what happened in this game a year ago with Tennessee getting the two big plays early uh, on their first two possessions. Um, so I think Kentucky will want to keep it in front of them. I think the the, the one thing that's encouraging for Tennessee fans is what Tennessee did in the second half against Alabama. When Alabama tried to go dime, Tennessee was content to run the football. And and, and that's something that Alex Golish has talked about is the, the, the need to be more patient running the ball. Didn't feel like he was patient enough running the ball last year particularly in some big games, and that hurt them, whether that was Ole Miss or whether that was the Alabama game a year ago when, when teams went with those extra DBs and emptied the box, they still tried to throw it a lot. If Kentucky's going to go light in the box, then I think Tennessee's going to be content to try to run the football. And they were they were pretty successful last year. They averaged 5.4 yards a carry last year, and a lot of that was on Hendon Hooker. Uh, but but they, ever, they had 145 yards rushing last year, and I think Tennessee is a better running football team this year than they were at this time a year ago. So if Kentucky wants to do that, I think Golis has got the patience to run the football and, and force Kentucky to adjust out of that zone if they can't stop the run with their front four, their front six, seven, yeah, whatever they got up there. Yeah, because Tennessee can still go fast um, by doing by running the football and, and then the quick passing game. You know, if, if Kentucky's going to sit there and let Tennessee go six-yard pass, six-yard pass, six-yard pass, I, I, they are. I think Golish and them are very patient when it comes to that because they're still moving them right down the field. I mean, it, maybe it doesn't happen in 47 seconds, but the speed they go with, even at six yards a clip, <laughs> two, two-and-a-half-minute drives right down the field if Kentucky's going to let them. Let's get one more here from R. Berger. Do you think Tennessee will be able to handle a Kentucky rushing attack without too much safety help? I love the idea of putting the game on the number one pick in the NFL drafts that that quarterback shoulders. Um, Austin, I, I think you and I both have mentioned Danico Slaughter a couple times this week. Uh, I think Tennessee will – it'll be a team effort, a group effort to uh, corral, run to the football, and uh, kind of you know keep everything in front of them in terms of that running game. I think the safeties will have to help out with this. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, and I think that, you know, like the fact he likes to get downhill and, and lay some wood um, is, is a good thing in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd be shocked. I think all of us would be shocked if Tennessee didn't try to load up to stop Chris Rodriguez and make Will Levis beat him again. Levis had a nice game against Tennessee a year ago. Um, a lot of teams had you know a nice game against Tennessee's defense a year ago. A lot of quarterbacks did. So you know, we'll see how much they've improved this year. But I think part of the improvement will be the lack of uh, pass blocking by Kentucky because their offensive line has struggled to this point, and Tennessee 
uh, it is, I just think, better up front, better in that front seven than they were one year ago. Now they've got to tackle great in this game, and it's going to be, it's going to be a collective effort. I, I think everybody's got to be involved in tackling. Rob, Chris Rodriguez had over 100 yards after contact against Mississippi State in a game he rushed for 196. One guy's not bringing this guy down quite frequently, so Tennessee's going to have to rally to the ball. And secondary has had some missed tackles in, in SEC play. I mean, they had some last week in GT Martin, but especially in SEC play. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think they sell out to stop Rodriguez, but, man, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, with, I mean, three SEC games, Tennessee's given up, whew, 1,200, 1,200 passing yards. <laughs> One of them was a Heisman Trophy winner. Two of them, two of the quarterbacks were decidedly not Heisman Trophy winners. That, that they gave up, you know, 750 yards to AR-15 and, and Jaden Daniels. So, you know, I don't know what football Jesus will Levis can, can do to him this this weekend, but I would still, I would still sell out to stop Rodriguez and, and, and make them beat. And, I, and we've talked about this. I, I just don't. I don't. Kentucky doesn't scare me at wide receiver. I think they really miss Wondell Robinson, and I know they they they've had some explosive shots, but I think most of that's been off play action. Barry and Brown scares you, but you just you can't die a death by a thousand cuts with Rodriguez going five, six, seven yards a pop. I mean, you got to you got to make them live in third and long. And what? And Robinson was terrific last year against Tennessee. He he had he had a terrific game uh, against Tennessee. Uh, he has changed that. It's changed their passing game a good bit. I think that's why you saw some of those early struggles from Kentucky before they got Rodriguez back. Um, now they feel like they've got a little more balance. So we'll see where Tennessee's at with those guys. But I think you can make the argument, and, and I, I spoke on this with Jesse Simonson earlier this week, that top to bottom in terms of a receiving you know, group, you throw tight ends in there as well, they have more options. I mean, Barry and Brown and Dane Key outside of Ali, who was hurt a lot last year, and of course, Wondell Robinson, uh, you know, you might have a better group there, more balance and, and more options this year than you did last year. But you know, Wondell Robinson, he was drafted in the fifth round. It's an NFL guy, so, I mean, he's going to be tough to replace. Yeah, I mean, they, don't, they, don't have, they don't have anybody at receiver in the top ten in yards per game, touchdowns. I mean, no, I mean, just I, I think – I kind of disagree, you see. I mean, I think you take Wondell out of that equation. And, you know, Barry Brown is a super talent, but he's also getting ready to play his eighth college football game. Yeah. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, let's go to loud noises. At best, Missouri finishes five and seven, four and eight more likely. Is Coach Eli Drinkwitz going to make it one more year? Also puts the caveat here. They're also currently dead last in the conference in recruiting this cycle. Brent, do you think Eli Drinkwitz makes it through the season? Yeah, I think he probably gets a third year, right? Um, I, I mean, I, I think I think that's a situation where 
I don't know where they are financially. I don't know what his buyout is. Um, you know, they've got some young players. I know there's a lot of people mad that they're not playing Sam Horn up there at the quarterback position. A lot of fans are. There'll be a lot of pressure on him. I think he would have to make staff changes, but I'm not sure Missouri's in a position where they want to spend uh, or capable of spending a ton of money on a buyout. Who, who can they get? Um, all those factor into play. I, I've not heard him as a guy who's likely out. You don't hear the chatter around him like you do Brian Harson. So my guess is that he's going to be back, but I don't follow Missouri closely enough to know whether or not he's for sure going to be back. I mean, you throw Vanderbilt out, it's always going to be the worst. Missouri's the worst job in the league. I mean, I just, I mean, what are they going to do? Just, we've all been there. I mean, it is not an SEC stadium campus program, in my opinion. I mean, what do you, AT, what do you, I mean, it, it's, it feels uh, it like. It was you, a glorious morning in October, cold, wet, rainy. There's about 15,000 fans in there. I with mean, us. they don't even have one end of the stadium filled in. <laughs> you call yourself an SEC team? You got, the you M rocks. with the rocks. The M with the rocks. The rocks in the grass. The, the way they keep the weeds out of those rocks is is next level. <laughs> I, you know, and and I know Sam's dad was a member of our site. Um, you know, before and I don't know if he still is or not. Um, I just it gotta make me. It makes me wonder. Like, does he regret going to Missouri? I mean, it's just such a like football just seems so stagnant there and dead. And of course, it's easy to say Tennessee's undefeated right now, but. You know, just the way, you know, they throw it around. And I know baseball was a part of it, too. But when you, you know, just uh, very. You know, our our entire trip there for me and Austin Price last year can be summarized in the first five minutes we were on campus, setting up to do the two-minute drill right outside the stadium. Uh, we hear screeching behind us on the road, and pow, we have one car rear at another and said, oh, well, that's the Missouri experience. It didn't get much better from there in terms of atmosphere, elements, weather, it was fun getting there and getting home, though. I will say that. Uh, Dan Zavall, anybody wants to know, uh, or he wants to know, any update on Cedric Tillman, Austin Price? Yeah, I mean, he's been practicing. You know, again, I think, you know, as everybody said, it's up to him and Coach Heupel. Um, I, I think he plays Saturday. Maybe I'll be wrong, but, you know, it, it certainly feels like he's going to play Saturday to me. Yeah, I think the oh, question is. Got I think the question is how many snaps, what kind of condition. Yeah, I don't think he's playing the full game, but um, but I, I mean, I think, I think that he's probably far enough along that that they're comfortable getting him some snaps. Now, Rob, if he gets to Friday and goes to their deal Friday and has has some pain and has some issues, then you know you shut that back down. But but I would think that they want to get him. Whenever he comes back, I would I would think it's not going to be a hey he's back. 76 snaps you're gonna to have to ease him into it so the faster <laughs> you can get to that point the the, the better off you are if you're Tennessee with yeah, what's and, in the stretch and I think the Ramel Keaton renaissance makes that real easy for Tennessee I mean you can play him 12 15 20, whatever it is I mean you can you can ease him in this week uh against Kentucky and then have have him ready to go in, in Athens next week now I don't I don't think he's gonna make his regular his Friday racquetball time with AP this week i'd shut that one down pickleball man pickleball but i mean yeah, i, I think you see I, me playing I, either one of those <laughs> is a disaster <laughs> let's go to rocky top matt a lot to unpack here so let me get through this can you explain how nil works in recruiting do the recruit sign deals aspire individual companies or recruits promise a certain dollar amount or certain deals or do they just talk in terms of what the potential value is once you get on campus once they're on campus how much actual work do the athletes have to do to get the money promised to them by Spire or the collective Austin Price? 
Well, first off, unless they're in a um, state that allows you to make money, kind of like California, you can't sign a deal with a collective no school or no kid can sign a deal with a collective at any school until they're on campus. Um, you know, and a lot of that is just, again, it's a marketing advance, right? It's a marketing value. You know, um, kids that don't tweet a lot, don't Instagram a lot, don't have as big a following, you know, NIL wise aren't as valued as ones that do. Now we all know that it plays a role in all, in all recruiting and all sports across all of college athletics. So let's not act like it doesn't, but at the same time, all schools, I think, you know, uh, are very, very cognizant of, you know, not getting caught in an inducement. So, you know, again, there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of hypotheticals uh, until kids get there and then, you know, they kind of go from there. Now, once they're on campus um, and, and, you know, they come to a deal with whoever, whether it's a collective or a certain business, um, they have to, you know, fulfill the terms of the agreement. So like the agreement may be two social media posts every 30 days for the local car wash. And so you see player X tweeting about the, you know, um, the local car wash two times a month or Instagramming about it um, or crystal or whatever you've seen, you know, you've seen crystal playing that Bojangles with, with, you know, with some players, um, you know, so if it's just signing with a collective, it could be as something as simple as appearances, um, whether it be at, you know, events or signing autographs or, doing media obligations or whatever. So like a lot of different factors go into it. Um, but, you know, again, all colleges or all schools are very cognizant to not get uh, caught up in inducements, which again, it's, it's hard to prove, um, you know, and, you know, but I think schools are very cognizant of that, but it's well, absolutely in play with recruiting. And if you don't think it is, you're silly. Well, and it's in play because every kid is asking, yep. what, is, what, is, what is my earning, what is my earning potential in your program? What can I do now? Here's where I think the challenge is long-term big picture, not Tennessee nationally NIL is getting pro players to understand it's not a salary. It is That's right. what your marketing value is worth. Meaning, meaning player X's marketing value may not be as high as, as player as player D. And it may be that a guy's got good marketing value, because he's really good on social media, but he may not be the best player on the team. I think there's a notion right now because this thing just kind of fell out of the sky, Rob, when it went online in July without any rules that there are a lot of kids out there that says, what are you paying me to play football? What's my salary? And that's not the case. There are some requirements for you to get that money. You look at Bryce young from Alabama, go to his Instagram page, guys peddling everything, right? I mean, th there's some things that you have to do. I think that's the next step in education of NIL for student athletes to let them know it's not just you're not just getting a check to play to play your sport. You're getting a check um, to, to to do the marketing side of things in conjunction with playing that sport. And, and I think that's a tough that's a tough thing to get 18 year olds to understand. Yeah, 100 percent. And and honestly, you know, a lot of these kids. <laughs> <laughs> they, they want to get paid to do nothing. I mean, like it, it is what it is, um, you know, but I mean, like you have to fulfill some obligations. Otherwise it's pay for play, you know, whether it's, you know, a kid on the current team or not. So, you know, I, the biggest thing is, you know, getting kids to understand, Hey, you got to pay taxes on all this money. Like, that's what I, I, you know, I worry about that long-term. I mean, I hope there's a lot of good education going on out there about, you know, 
taking care of yourself with, with what you make, you know, putting away money to pay for the taxes, all that stuff. Yeah. Paying taxes. Is well, not I think fun. it's a good thing. And this, this is, I mean, this is happening a little bit. I, I know in, in basketball and I would imagine it will get bigger. It, it helps that the families and kids have agents and like good agents, like realistic agents where to, you know, so they, so both so so they the look families the have a realistic idea. Yeah. Well, and, and so the families have a realistic idea. I mean, it's not like I want $1 million, you know, right off the, you, um, so what movie was that agent. from? Come on, Hubs. The, Austin but Powers. Seriously, I mean, if, you get, if you get, if you get, I mean, I know, you know, it's not as lucrative for an agent to deal with, you know, nil stuff. But I, I would imagine that as this, you, you know, as we get further into it, there'll be some guys that specialize in it. Yeah, and it will be, it will be easier for colleges and easier for families to, you know, to have an agent in it that's done, you know, twenty of these deals and be like, you know, you're not getting ten million dollars. But here's, you know, here's here's what the last guy that was kind of in your position got, and, yep. and it, I think it will it will not be so much wild wild west as we get further into it. I agree with that because it takes the emotion out of it, Eric. You know, the family says, "My, you know, Timmy's worth this," but you got an agent who says, "Look, let's look at the market and see what's realistic and where that's at." So I, I think that is a big step mo- moving forward if it, if if it grows to that point with nil. We got two more that I want to get into before we call quits here. Uh, let's go to Pine. Uh, AP said earlier in the year that he thinks the portal is going to be the Wild Wild West this year. Do you think that the season's early success may show up more than in the portal than in the 23 recruiting class? And how many spots would you hold back? Well, because of the 85, again, there is no limitations on how many you can sign. It's the 85 number. So I think that, you know, how many do you lose? I mean, how many guys, you know, leave the program after this year? Um, I, I do think that because of the success of Bayless Jones a year ago or Theo Jackson a year ago or Jalen Hyatt or even Ramel Keaton, some players that probably thought, ah, I'm just going to move on at the end of the year are thinking, wait a minute, those guys kind of hung around and fought through it and now they're playing. Maybe I need to stick it out. So, I, you know, again, it depends on, you know, what players leave. But, you know, I think you're looking at Tennessee bringing in at least five transfers, um, you know, in, after the season ends. Last one goes to Brent Hubbs from Bassmaster underscore Vol. Why did the administration request an extension with the NCAA? Well, a couple of things here. One, for those who have wondered, you know, are they trying to delay something because of a potential postseason disruption or a ban that, that would take them out of postseason play and ruin this season? That is not the case at all. There is no bowl ban. There is no talk of bowl ban. That's not that's not on the table. I think the NCAA's days of bowl bands and, and, and those type things of punishing players who are no longer in your program and coaches who are no longer in your program. I, I don't think that that's going to be, a, that's going to be relevant. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the NCAA wants to be the school that takes a Heisman trophy finalist out of postseason play for something that happened when he was not on the roster and was not a part of things. So I, I, that's to me, that's not an, on the equation at all in talking to people. So why request this? Tennessee has wanted and continues to want this thing behind them uh, yesterday as fast as they can. They would love for the NCAA to say, what you self-imposed to this point is great. We're good with that. Let's put this thing to bed and, and move on. Um, the NCAA has not said absolutely that at this point. Tennessee's still in conversations with the NCAA. 
And if they can get to the agreement, then Tennessee's not going to challenge anything in the, in the letter of allegations. But if they can't get to that agreement, then Tennessee may end up formally replying and, and will formally reply to those letter of allegations and go from there. But the hope would be that this gets done. And a shocking turn of events, Rob, the NCAA can't, couldn't get to a resolution within the 90-day window of whether or not they were going to accept everything Tennessee has self-imposed at this point. That's why you have the 30-day window that's been granted to continue those discussions to where this thing may get put to bed at the end of November as opposed to being drug out to the spring. We'll have to yeah, see. I mean, they're, they're still waiting to police Bill Self. Or who did he pay? Danny Manning? Is that, is that, what, <laughs> is that, is that what they're still waiting to impose penalties on, on Bill Self? For, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, there is not a, a universe that exists where Greg Sankey is allowing Tennessee to potentially turn down a playoff check. Not, I mean, there's post forget about a postseason ban with Craig Sankey at the controls in the SEC. There, there is no way that that he is, you know, potentially leaving a team out of that slice of the pie. And, and I'll say this too: there is no new information. Okay, I mean that that the letter of allegations from all of the work that the NCAA did, did well, all the work that the third party legal team did for the NCAA in conjunction with their. Uh, interview process and investigation process with Tennessee, that, that segment is closed. Okay. So there's not new, nothing new has come to light that says, Oh, we've got to look into this thing further. Or there's something there. I mean, that part of it's closed. It's all about the letter of allegations and whether or not the NCAA is going to say, yeah, we're good with what you've done. Or are there not? Here's what we want you to do. And Tennessee says, okay, we're good with that. Let's finish it. It's a kind of a negotiate, a little bit of a negotiation or a discussion phase right now. Is why there the extra thirty days have been put in place. As always, there's a lot going on around college football, especially Tennessee football. And you can find all the best coverage for Tennessee athletics, Tennessee football, Tennessee recruiting over at BallQuest.com. One dollar for one year. Football season of the ages right now. We're having so much fun over there. If you are listening and are not a member of our new family over at On Three BallQuest.com. Go ahead and try it out. You got $1. That's all you have to lose. $1 for one year. That deal is not going to last much longer. So $1 for one year over at VolQuest.com. And as always, please subscribe to the uh, to the site on YouTube. That's uh, by searching VolQuest. If you're watching this video, pound that like button. Help us get it to 500 likes. This has been the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Appreciate you guys for sending in your questions and your comments each and every week. Thursdays right here at VolQuest. For all surprise, Rob Lewis and Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.